Yo, what's up, man? This is D.B. Elias Christ, and you're now tuned in to We Going In Presents. Keep it locked. It's the government. Back. Walk me through the fire. Pick me up off my knees. You told me it's your time. Artistic point of views from a different point of view. I don't look like what I've been through. Uh-huh. Try to manage and maintain without complaining. Uh-huh. It's hard when you barely maintain it. And the people that you help got it, but they never say it. This world ain't cold, just the humans in it. I guess my heart makes me alien, another word for angel. Uh-huh. Can't get caught up in my missions, but my soul stay tangled. Yeah. Fighting through the purgatory, got a real story. Too long for this record, like a three-time felon. Uh-huh. My daughter's so angelic, and my two sons soon to be kings. Carry on this legacy, it's time that I bring That's right. truth to the table. They label me as a difficult person, but everything that I do is constantly working. So fuck what the critics say. I make my living how I'm living, so I ride away. That was a snippet of another new DV alias Christ banger, New Day. Welcome to episode 75 of We Going In Presents, where we're picking up right where we left off with DV alias Christ. In this part of the interview, we talk about his work with Smooth the Hustler, Trigger the Gambler, and DR Period on the classic Once Upon a Time in America, as well as what's coming up for DV. It's been over a decade since our last interview, so we had a lot of catching up to do. Go back and catch part one of our interview if you haven't done that yet, and don't sleep on episode 73 with General Back Pain. Stay tuned for episode 76 coming next week, which features the Virginia-based producers, Team Demo. No, no doubt, man. And... You know, you look at how you put songs together today. I mean, I thought it was really cool the way you put New Day, Refuse, and Unrecognized together in kind of like a three-piece short film almost. What was that process like, and what do you want to give people with that? Um, well, I'll give the credit where the credit is due. Uh, my boy Janitor, CEO of Brooklyn View Films, um, he had this really incredible-ass idea, and that was the idea. He he uh he had a vision. He lives in Vegas, and he did the scouting. We went through about ten different ideas before we narrowed it down to that one. Um, he had the vision of what I was to wear. He's like, I see you in like a black jean suit, and you know the boots and da 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 da. So I just took from that and you know just gave my rendition of what it was that he was saying. And when he saw the look, he's like, yeah, that's what I was talking about. That's the look right there. The fit does it. The boots get a little dusty. And um, it was his brainchild, you know, like I, and then from there, I just, you know, added some logs to the fire. You know what I'm saying? But he, he found a location, you know, once again, cause he lives in Las Vegas. So he found the locations and, you know, he came up with the concept and, you know, I would just, you know, just add my little two cents in there, here and there, just to help shape it. And it took, it took us a bit. We shot that video in early 2018. <laughs> and it wasn't until a few months ago, I decided to drop it. And I just felt like it just, for the climate of what's going on right now, uh, the, the 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 whole, you know, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you know, speaking with 23rd Psalm, it just, 
God couldn't have made the timing of that of that whole trilogy video. He couldn't have made it more perfect for it to be a, to be availed. So um, I'm very proud of the outcome, and it still has legs. It hasn't even really peaked yet as it pertains to viewership, so on and so forth. But um, hats off to Brooklyn View Films. You know, and, and hats off to, to all my directors. I work with uh, True Light Films and um, my cousin, actually, Tydro, uh Embassy Elite. He was actually um, an MC. Well, he's still an MC, but he was an MC, a part of Papoose's crew, Thuggication. And um, now he shoots videos. And, um, yeah, so that's the squad, you know, right now, like, and. That's what you need for anybody listening. You got to get you some videographers in your circle because visuals is power. And they ain't always got to have you in it. Like the video that uh, my my boy African just did for the song No Turning Back, you know, which is really, you know, just introspective clips that just work synonymously with the, you know, with the wordplay of the song. So... But going back to the to the trilogy video, that was definitely a lot of that brainchild came from Brooklyn View Films. And the process was smooth, though. Like, it was amazing because we're, we're in the El Dorado Lake bed, right? And for those who don't know what the El Dorado Lake bed is, it's, it's a um, it's it's desert and mountains. But there was once a lake there that dried up over the years. So what you seen me walking on was the bottom of the lake. And the mountains that you seen were the mountains that would have probably been submerged under the lake or you'd have seen the tip of the mountain. So it was real spooky being out there because it's so open. The land is so open, like you, the, the clouds could form at any second and the thunder and lightning could just start happening. <laughs> like, it was like that out there, but amazing. Like, to be honest with you, I felt so connected to the creator being out there in that open space and just, just how it felt. It was this airy, like, there is definitely, there was definitely a spirit there, you know, in that desert. There is a spirit of some kind out there. And um, the experience in itself was amazing, to say the least. That's awesome. And, you know, just looking at, like, you know, what what you've got going on, I'm surprised with how much of a discography that you have that there's it's not really available online like is not including your your music on streaming sites like spotify and other digital streaming platforms is that a conscious choice that you're making i mean well to be honest with you um any release that i've put out since 2016 is on everything um so the older stuff um, not so much because of the times. And most of those, like Polydor and them, you know, those distributors don't even exist anymore. So, so in the transition, you know, when you talk about NAFTA and the whole digital transitioning, when that happened, a lot of 
the analog music got lost in the source. A lot of that music weren't weren't introduced or implemented to those platforms when that transition happened. So it wasn't until about 2016 um, I was put on to an individual by the name of uh, Jim, which CEO was a soul spasm. And I stalked him for about six months <laughs> to to uh to utilize his distribution platform because I did my research and I, I really like um I liked what what their situation stood for and I didn't see a lot of hip hop. I seen a lot of jazz music, which is one of their biggest selling catalogs. And um, you know, from there um, I actually got in contact with him after a while and then to find out that he was a big fan of mine. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, okay, cool. This this, this will work out. So the first re- the first actual release, excuse me, I know you probably hear this damn dog. Um, you know, um, you know, the first actual release was, um, Excuse me, the first actual release was the record that I did with Redman called Lights Out, produced by Mini Mafia, that did 21 questions for 50 Cent and uh, When I See You for Fantasia and so on and so forth. So 20, 2016, excuse me, 2000, 2016 is when I, is the year that marked like my real first independent, you know, Drive. So from 2016 on, I've just been dropping music. I, I I got a ton of joints. You know, I got a record out with Me Blue and Razzcast, um, produced by Science DJ Science, and then the remix was done by the Makers with J57 and his partner. Uh, yeah, I mean, I got a, a, a ton of shit. Like, if you went to the website, Christ.com, or DVLEUSChrist.com, or Christ.com, K-H-R-Y-S-T, all my releases is on my website. You know, just for, like, if, if, you know, because the spelling of my name is what gets in the way of a lot of people searching. Because you got people searching for Christ, K, you know, C H R I S T, and then you got people searching for K H R I S T, and then certain people forget to put the H. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So the the misspelling of my name, I think, plays a, a big factor in why certain people um, haven't really stumbled on a lot of this new music yet, but. Um, it's starting to, you know, it's, 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 it's starting to really pick up now. Like, my screens and everything are really starting to pick up. But I never let I never let any of those numbers or any of what that is reflect on who I am. Because for me, despite the, the numbers that are reflecting out there now, it damn sure don't reflect the amount of people that know DVL Christ. So I keep that in mind because them numbers will fuck you up. And it has fucked up a lot of artists just paying attention to them numbers and not to the art. 
But you see now Spotify is cleaning house. So if you got them fake followers and, you know, <laughs> them fake plays or whatever you got Google Googling over there on, the, on that shit, it's about to be a new day for that. You know what I'm saying? It's all coming back to authenticity. It's coming back to what, what we know, Bernie. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's coming back to that in a digital form. So although we're dealing with a real serious pandemic, you know, there's a there's a master reset happening right now to the music industry that are going to be very beneficial to all the authentic, you know, uh, musicians and artists, so on and so forth. For sure. And I mean, I think that's great. And I even noticed that on Spotify when I was looking for your stuff is all the different spellings of your name. Um, I, w- I was amazed that Christ could be spelled so many different ways. I never really thought about that, I guess. Yeah, man. You know, because certain people don't even spell alias right. And that's that's in the dictionary. They'd be that's, like, that, Elias. That's not excusable right there. They'd <laughs> be like, Elias. I'm like, who the hell is Elias? This alias. What are you talking about? But, I mean, you know, I chose a, a rather complex name. And... That's cool because there will never be a, a DVLS Christ. I've seen some people out there called Christ, you know, none that got that got the level of life that I I necessarily have, you know. But I I will say that I took the sacrifice because there wasn't people weren't calling themselves Christ and you know God unless you were like five percent, but. You know, there weren't artists calling themselves God. You have an actual rapper named God. You know what I'm saying? Like, people weren't, like, how you see Kanye going into, like, the whole, even to the Jesus walks and all of that. Like, you know, Christ was pre, pre, you know, like, before any of those things, before Jay started calling himself over. You know, like, it wasn't cool to do any of that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was getting crucified left and right. You you should change your name. Just go by DV. And there was a point where I entertained it, you know, because I actually have an Instagram account, uh, General, at General DV. And, and when I, and it was so many people, you know, still hitting me up about Christ. I said, you know what? Let me start a DVL Against Christ Instagram before somebody else does. Smartest shit I could have ever did, though. So now I have, you know, one of my reps, you know, running uh, the general DV page, you know, to do, like, you know, a little promotion. I actually have about five different Instagram accounts that are ran, you know, by, by two constituents of mine. I got a lot of a lot of uh, social media, you know, platforms from SoundCloud to two SoundCloud pages and you know Facebook fan pages, and you know as much as I could actually do organically to just touch, you know, be in touch with the true fan, because everybody's so big on spiking up the numbers. There's a gift and a curse. That, yeah, it looks good, but it doesn't translate financially. And this still is a business and you still want to be able to receive, you know, residual income from your art. 
And there's a lot of artists that don't get publishing checks. You know, and there's so many artists, even, you know, artists from our era that I've had to show how to register their song. I'm like, you don't know how to register. I have a publishing administrator, shout out to Shelly Bay. Um, but before having a publishing administrator, I took her on because of the amount of music I was publishing. And it's like, I'm not going to be able to keep up with publishing all of these records on top of releasing all of these records, getting the artwork done, blah, 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 blah. Because most of the artwork I do myself, if I don't do it, then I have my website designer and content marketer, uh, uh, Mark, from my guy from New Zealand. You know, it's either me or him that do the artwork. Um, I had a dude by the name of Ricky Edwards do the uh, artwork for the music cover for my album cover. But other than that, like any artwork done is mainly me doing it or my boy Mark doing it. So a lot of shit is self-contained. So with having all of that, you know, going on, I, I, I have to learn to delegate. So hiring, hiring a publishing admin was, was very smart. She also does licensing as well. So I have the best of both worlds in a sense. That's awesome. And when you look at all that, what do you, how are you using all these connections to kind of make this next project that you're, that, you know, have a really big impact? I'll be honest with you, Brian, to be honest, I, like, I don't even think about none of that. Because it's, you, I've invested a lot of money in promotion, you know, just being ignorant to the times of things, you know, just trial and error, you know, going through your whole independent grind. And I just, I just said, fuck it. I'm not even doing none of that no more. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like to get a good... Me and Ill Bill was talking about publicists. Like, and he's worked with just about them all. But it's just a dollar. Unless you have a relationship with the, with the publicist or you're cool or they know your art, it's really not going to be beneficial to you. It's only going to be but so beneficial to you if that's not the frequency between you and that publisher. You know, that, that publicist. So um, now, like, my whole angle is to, uh, I like to call it 50 cent theory. <laughs> you know, like, just keep dropping them. Because if it's quality and it's good, ain't no way in the hell they ain't going to hear it. They can act like they not hearing it, but they, they, there's no way in the hell you can't hear some good shit. And, you know, eventually situations like this happen, you know, like your, your, your platform to me is, is still important. And, and I feel very honored that we're, that we're having this, this dialogue, you know, this, this dialogue with one another, because it, it is individuals like you who have contributed to a lot of the individuals that are in certain positions right now. So I'd just rather give you your roses, being that you're alive and well, and just telling you that I salute you for your contribution and even having me on your platforms, you know, throughout the years to allow me to speak my piece and get my art out there. I really appreciate that. And it's it's always been great because I feel like you've always had so much to share and so much insight that, you know, people can learn from. So um, 
super compelling story. So it's it that's always been great. You know, over the years, have you been able to stay in touch with guys like Dr. Period, Smooth, and Trigger? I mean, well, you know, Smooth and Trigger is, is that's that's family. We, so beyond the music, like we we have, you know, history with each other beyond the music. Like I knew I've known Trig and Smooth since I was thirteen years old. Like me and Trigger went to junior high school together. You know what I'm saying? Like. So that, you know, I know they mother, they mother, know my mother and my mother calls, they mother, you know, like we're family, you know what I'm saying? So it's really, like the music is, is important, but, the, but, you know, the family vibration is even more important. So I value that more from them than anything else. So yeah, I'm I'm being in contact with them mainly through social media. Like I touched base with Smoothman like a few days ago or a week or two. I mean, about a week ago, I touched base with him just to check on him and the family, make sure everybody was straight, and I called his moms, you know, to do the same, you know, that type of shit. Um, me and Dr. actually spoke um, recent because I had did uh, uh, an interview with a uh, by the name of Rashida Wallace. And uh, he had chimed in on the chat. And uh, me and him, we, we always find a way to communicate somewhere, down, you know, somewhere in the pockets of shit. He'll call me and salute me because he would always be on my ass like, yo, you're a different dude. You got to drop record. Drop fucking record. Fuck everything else. Drop them songs. And I'm telling you, you're going to see a change in your situation. And I'm happy I listened. Cause I just been bombing them, you know what I'm saying? So me and Dr. Definitely gonna get in the studio. We've been speaking about it. I mean, prior to all of this shit happening, you know, uh, I was supposed to go out there to Atlantic City and you know get up with him so we could cook up. But it's it's definitely gonna happen. It gotta happen because Dr. Hasn't given Christ a broken language or any up. You know, and I'm very, I'm most deserving, you know, of a VR anthem classic. Even though we got some shit in the vault from when I was on Dev Jam, we got some gems. But speaking on current up to date, yeah, that's definitely going to happen. That's incredible. No, I really hope to hear that. What does it mean to you today when you look back and being able to work with guys like Smooth and Trigger and have your spot on Once Upon a Time in America, like being on that album, you know, what does that mean to you? I mean, it means everything because I was there from the inception, you know, from banging on the hallway wall and, and, and building 257 where they live to, 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 to the album happening, you know, seeing the whole process. And writing, like, I was there through the whole process. Like, even on the, the song Hustling, My Everyday Lifestyle, that's me in the background going, hustle, gambling, swinging, nobody move a muscle. That was the first time I ever really got on a, on a song, like, like, that was on wax and that was out. You know, that was, like, that, that was his A-side, and the B-side was this uh, the group called Punishers with my man Ron Record and Guest. And the, and the tape, it looked like a, a double mint gum. And it was like double the flavor. And it had smooth, 
you know, single, hustling on one side, my everyday lifestyle. And on this, the B side was uh, Punish's record, I think it was called Run. But, um, I mean, it's been amazing. Like, it's surreal because his album dropped the, the the day after my birthday. My birthday, um, my my birthday is March eighteenth, and he dropped his album. I think March nineteenth, nineteen ninety five. I think that was the year drop somewhere around there. So yeah, like crazy, like like that was like a birthday gift. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, right after my birthday, this dude's album dropped. And it's like, boom! It just... Like, we used to sit around on the stoop and talk about all this shit. We used to sit on the stoop and say, watch, one day the car's gonna be dropping past playing our shit. You know? So... What was mm-hmm. that hype? What, what was that hype like when Once Upon a Time in America dropped... And, you know, you guys, you know, get even more attention with the project being out. I mean, it, it, it was, it was insane. You talking about the height of like Biggie's career, Jay-Z and Foxy, you know, like the, the like the, the second golden era of hip hop. And we was a part of that even though they don't really give us our roses like they should, you know, or I don't feel like it's smooth his roses like they should because he's contributed to a lot. But when it happened, when the album dropped in Broken Language, it was just, everything was happening. It, it seemed like everything was going slow and then the shit just started moving fast. And it was moving so fast that, you know, of course, you know, you're young and you don't think it's going to stop. You know what I'm saying? And uh, it was a high unlike no other. It, like, the high was so crazy, it was surreal. It was like, it was scary. It was like walking on a thin rope on a 20-story building. But you know you could walk across, but just the adrenaline of knowing if you don't, you're going to bust your ass like, and, and not return from it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, it was, it was, for me, it was like that because even, even speaking about it now, my heart is beating fast because, you know, like I literally, everything that was happening, I saw that shit happening before it happened. I kid you not. And like, even in the current, in the current space of right now. I feel like that something is about to fucking happen. Like something is about to happen. So it's like, I feel to go spending buku fucking dollars on paying this promotion and doing all of it. I feel like that's going to distort how authentic this shit is going to roll out. Because, you know, this shit is like anything. Once everybody get a whiff that you to God paying everybody, then, you know, word get around and that's what you become. So the art gets thrown out the window and people just looking at the meal ticket. They not looking at the fact that you got some dope shit. Right. They don't realize that until it hit. 
when it hit, then it's like, oh, I'm happy. I was a part of that. And I did the da 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 So, yeah, I'm taking a, a, a big risk, but I'm relying on the amount of work that I have put in to be that, that platform, to be that promotion. And less is more. Once again, if we speaking on numbers and dollars and cents, like, you don't need a million people to become a millionaire. If, if we want to speak ostentatiously, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You don't need a million people to fuck with you to become a millionaire. You can become a millionaire off of 500 people. If we want to speak about money and dollars and cents, but impacted the impact, the impact is going to come from the level of, of energy that you put into your art. And it's going to show because no one's being blindsided by movement. You get what I'm saying? Like movement blindsides how you hear things. So if you're getting up and going to work, and you shit come across your ears, you're not really absorbing all of it. Now, there's no work. There is no, there's no nothing. It is home. So you got the time to really sit there and listen to what the fuck a person is saying. I just seen an article on an artist. I don't want to mention no names because I don't want to punch nobody in the mouth. <laughs> you know, but I've seen something uh, to the to the extent of, you know, an artist that's pretty famous that drops some music and, you know, is throwing the shit under the bus because of its repetition. And that's, and that's happening to a lot of artists now. Because it's the same fucking thing over and over and over, just different words. See, that shit works when you're in the club because you're moving, you're moving, you're drinking, you're moving, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? But ain't no clubs, ain't no strip clubs, ain't none of that shit to go to. So you in the crib and you, you know, and you're not used to being in the house all the time. You need to hear some shit that's going to take your mind from the house. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You need to hear some shit that's going to take you from your body. And not everybody has that ability to do that. Well, I think, too, like, if you look back at, like, the 2000s, you had mixtapes where, like, you really had, like, 50 different flavors on one mixtape. You had, you know, artists were, like, deliberately rhyming over a West Coast beat, you know, to say that's my West Coast song. And this is my club record. This is my my girl record. Like, there was all these different types of songs that artists were, like, almost checking the box to include on a mixtape or an album. And now right. you art, artists, like you know, Rock Marciano. And, you know, I think really a lot of it starts with him who who showed that this can be your lane and you can be very successful in your lane. You don't have to like do all these big reaches if you don't, if that's not you. And so it's interesting how that's changed with like a lot of the new generation is really sticking to like grimy hip hop. Like if you look at Griselda, there's not a lot of reaches that they do. Like they, they found their lane and they're pretty comfortable staying in it for the most part. Like, how do you think mm -hmm. that has shifted when you look at like, 
you you might not have a lot of different um, flavors and songs might you know be in the same you know classified in kind of the same subgenre of hip hop but you also don't have those huge reaches like you used to yeah i mean you know i you, I, I, mean, I like the fact that you build a rock you know rock marshall because that is a great example of you just staying true to what you do i mean you be rhyming over over shit that don't have no drums to it and he be on like this this rhythm pattern that you know well me and smooth you know me smooth and Trey, we we call that jump funk you know where you just cramming a bunch of words rhythmically you know you cramming all of these words but they falling in the pocket they still falling on the one you know what i'm saying and uh it's amazing how he's able to do that to beats with no drums and 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 still have a timing that even if it's not there, he's creating it. But you know, when he's a producer as well, so when when you produce, you don't you don't just write music, you produce music. You get what I'm saying? So it's different, you know. I just think that when you stay true to what you do, you know, you get you get that core audience and that core audience gonna come out, they're gonna buy your merch, they're gonna know all the damn words of your songs and you know, they're going to support what it is that you're actually doing. That's the climate that we in now. When you see, you know, artists like Smoke Dizza and, you know, just just everything, you know, like I, I was listening to some shit with Smoke Dizza and a dude by the name of Nim Love from Harlem, like, it's dope shit, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and they don't have no big, stupid-ass followers, but they following is wavy enough where you know, they can keep, they keep themselves fed and be happy with what they're doing. And that's what it should be about. There's a lot of motherfuckers out here that got all the success, but they're not happy. They're not happy at all. Because their their celebrity is all contingent on what they feed the machine. And if you're not feeding the machine the, the, the base criteria that they're looking for, they're going to the next. And what would seem as a, a successful and independent artist is a failure for a major. You sell 300,000 units as an independent artist, you rich. <laughs> you sell 300,000 units as a major, you're broke. But you, it, like, inadvertently, you did pay the, the, the label back, but not based on the, the contingencies of your contractual agreement. So if your contractual agreement says you have to sell the blah, 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 then if you don't sell that based on the agreement, that's a failure. Even if you sold, let's say, 100,000 units and the label still recoup their money from that 100,000 units, that wasn't in the agreement. You know, it's the fucking Jedi mantra. <laughs> it's crazy man so when you look at everything today and look at everything that you're still going to accomplish do you feel like you get your just due at this point um yeah man you know Matthew's verse 2016 said the first shall be last and the last shall be first I use this analogy a lot you know 
especially like in these times we're in right now. You know, you go, you need food for your crib, <clears throat> you need food for your crib, and you got to stand on the line. You went outside, you thought, you thought about getting getting to the place early that you was going to be able to walk right in and get your groceries and leave. But to know well, you go there and there's a line. Now, you ain't got shit in your refrigerator. You, you can either say, well, fuck it, I'm going to just order something out and I'll come back tomorrow. And then you get, you know, you watch the news and they say, well, all the stores are shut down. It's a wrap. <laughs> you know, that was your opportunity to be patient and wait your damn turn so you can get what you need and go the fuck home. I look at that metaphor synonymous to, to, to my career. I've been patient. I've been standing on the line waiting for my time. With my with my cart full of groceries, waiting for checkout. And while every every time a person get impatient and walk off the line, they just get me closer to my destination. So that's how I see it, but only God knows when when that time is is going to happen. And and it he only knows based on how ready and prepared you are. Some people get it before <clears throat> before they're prepared because that's their lesson. Fortunate but unfortunate. I've, I've been mummified. I'm mummified. I preserve myself. You know, I don't, I don't look or feel, you know, like my time is up. And, you know, I think stressing and overcompensating and, and, and worrying about, you know, the self-celebrity can aid you and can definitely put more stress and affect your creative process. You know, I still allow myself to be a fucking human being at the end of the day, even having, you know, a, a God-like quote-unquote ability. I still allow myself to be a human. I worked. I got my hands dirty. I knew, I know what it feels like to, to, to bust your ass and, and to have to work hard for something. And when you have that work ethic, you'll always be able to outwork the lazy that's used to having a label or having people just hand shit to them. I don't have no manager. I don't have no big fucking staff. I don't have no, no crazy support team. I'm in this shit right now like how Nas was when he came in the game. You know, smoothing triggers off doing other shit, you know, <clears throat> some music related, some non-music related, you know. So right now, you know, I feel like the game came to me. Everybody fucking rapping and singing. And at this point, the music, if, if you got any music, the only way it is charting is if it got some type of melodic, melodic edge to it. But, you know. Thank me later. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. So, so when you look at that and and how you know trends that you helped to set are still around today, what's the next move for DV right now? Consistency, consistency. I'm like any level of consistency that I've displayed in my career thus far. Consistency and 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 a great deal of quality. And a great deal of care to you know to the records 
into the presentation of the records as well. And and keeping it and keeping it reachable too, you know, for the ones who want to reach out and touch it. Like I'm I'm keeping it very, very uh reachable, very tangible for you know, for that, for that same purpose. Um I think when you when you overplan the plan the when you overplan the plan plans you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. So for me, you know, my plan is to to stay extremely consistent and get people that shit. 